everyone, and welcome to Bookends with Friends. This is your co-host, Parker Moon. I'm a vampire that had a stake driven into his heart. It's Fred Irvin. In 2003, I dressed up as a vampire and cried because the teeth hurt my gums. This is Daniel Phillips. They and do hurt your are, gums. And we are what? And we are a weekly book club podcast where we cover one book a month and we make friends along the way. Uh, what's going on, guys? I just, I just wanted to join in and let Dan know that I know what he means when he says it hurts your gums because it does hurt your gums. It hurts a lot. That plastic digs in. Yeah, yeah, it digs in real far. But I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. What are we? What are we talking about? This is this is a book week. This is the week that this is what we do this podcast for. We are talking about a book from the king himself, King Stephen. Uh, Salem's Lot. One of the one of the one of his greatest, one of his most beloved, his second one of his book, oldest, right? I believe. Oh. It's one of his earliest. I know that for Car- Carrie sure. is his first. Yeah, I think Salem Lot is his second. I believe. Um, so. But look, we did it. We read it, uh, listeners. You read it, hopefully, um, and we're gonna talk about unless it. But before we do that, scared to unless you were too scared to got him. Nice, Brett. Um, before we do that, would you? fellas like to have quick short stories a quick aside to discuss what's been going on in our lives well gang um the foster dog is gone and you said please yeah yeah please (laughs) please fix can you give us some smiles in there i can't because i'm actually really sad (laughs) Okay, but you did you Guys, did the thing you were wanting to I know, do. We did. Also confirm the dog is still alive. The way that you yeah, said it. Yeah, the way it you said it, it did make it sound yeah. like Drago died. No. So Drago, our foster dog of almost five months. We almost had that dog for five months, which is insane. Um he got adopted this weekend. We which is wonderful him, news. That's it's such good news, but God, is it is it bittersweet. Nicole and I had a rough day yesterday, to say the least. Um it's really good, and like we know, we really couldn't have kept him. Yeah, but I, I like dropping him off. It was sad, man. It was really sad. Like he, he's a very, very good dog, and he's very good at giving love. And he's just, you know, it's a little bit quieter in the Phillips household. So now, now that Drago's adopted, I'm gonna remind you. Just hopefully, this will help. I'm hoping this will help. But there was a time where Drago peed on your furniture and you looked me dead in the eyes and said, I would pay $5,000 yeah. for someone to adopt this dog. Oh, yep. yeah. So remember oh, the I good know. times. Dan. Re- remember, remember the good. Hey, he peed. He peed. He peed. He did pee on he, our furniture. But guys, we he marked you to, with his love I know. and your furniture. He marked my heart with his piss. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we took him to the adopter yesterday. She's so sweet. And she just want like, she just wants a dog that will cuddle her. She told us last night, she was like, I'm so excited. You brought him to us. Like me and him, we're going to have a hocus pocus marathon tonight. And she's like, she's this That's cute, precious. she's cute, kind of older lady. And like, she had bought him a bed and toys and food already, which is so cool. Um, but I did, God, I did the mistake where, we were like, okay, like this is it. Bye, Drago. I'm I'm crying. I'm crying in the stranger's home at this point. Um to I'm I'm just I'm weeping. Like 
face pressed into this dog. I'm getting tears all over this woman's couch. And I go to leave and I did the the, the freaking back. like I did the look back and the look back has been haunting me all day today. Oh no. Because was he, we, was he flipping you off? <laughs> well, we were like, hey, when we leave, like he's going to try to follow us. You might want to like hold his harness that way, you know, he doesn't like push through the door or anything. And so she's like, oh yeah, no problem. And she's holding his harness and we, we walk out. And before I shut the door, I gave the look back and like his ears were drooped down and his head was tilted and he would like looked into my soul. And I had to just be like, ah, oh, buddy, like you're not mine anymore. I'm about to cry. It was, it was so sad, but it's, it is a good thing. And he has a loving home now, which is really cool. Yeah, just it would just think about it, it would have been selfish to keep all his love to yourself. That's what I've said. That's what I've said. And like this woman needs him just as much as yeah. he needs her, which is really nice. Uh, but that's my week. The Dra- Drago saga has come to a conclusion. And boy, oh boy, did I think or was I wrong for thinking it wouldn't hurt this much? Oh, I'm sorry, pal. Yeah. It's all right. When are you, are you guys going to foster another one? God, God no. <laughs> there, there, see, there you see, go. There it is. There, there you go. <laughs> no, well, I'm not there, going there's to. There's the I Daniel can't, that was ready to no, drop no, no. five grand on giving away the dog. I cannot foster another dog because I cannot feel like this. I can't yeah. do this again, this feeling. But I wanted to say my short story first because that's sad. And I'm sure, hopefully... Your guys isn't sad. So hopefully the listeners stuck around through that uh, <laughs> arms of the angel uh, commercial that they just had to listen to. Oh, sorry about it. Parker, you go. Me? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, we decorated for Halloween. We decorated look like crazy for Halloween, specifically for a Halloween party. And I am so excited. We got some really fun uh like props and spooks and scares and things that are just all over our house right now. You, um, we got bags of candy. You like definitely didn't buy new decorations because you already have so many, right? Why would you need new ones? Yeah, yeah, so you would think, you would think, Dan, <laughs> you would think, but instead, instead we kept those bins closed of all of our old stuff. Before, like, we didn't even open those, and then we went to the store and bought a whole bunch of other stuff. Did you buy the fourteen foot tall skeleton from Home Depot? No. Oh wait, my God. see, it's not. I know. It's not Halloween What's the yet? point? You might. What's you the might. P- I'm. I'm really ex- like just waiting one day for someone to get that for me. My yeah. best friend. Who's gonna, who's it gonna be? Brett's your best friend, Brett. <laughs> oh, hey, hey sorry, Brett. I'm losing. I'm losing connection on the <laughs> on the call. <laughs> Guys, my love is not even that expensive. It's hang on, hang on. Let's just do some quick googling. Real quick. It's got to be at least a hundred dollars, easily. Two hundred, probably. Oh, okay. So, um, is my like, love is a little expensive. Is it, it like six hundred dollars. <laughs> so Amazon, Amazon has it at seven hundred dollars. Whoa, but expensive skeleton for for best friend status. So that's pretty good. I mean, me and Dan right. could. We could go in on it together. I think you can only have one best friend. Sure <laughs> That's good, a so. good point. That's a good point. It could be a listener. If a listener wants to ship me a 15 foot tall uh, skeleton. We're starting um, a a GoFundMe slash Patreon to, to support Parker's 14 foot skeleton mm. habit. Yeah. My skeleton procl- proclivities? Mm. Sure. That's Was that the right word? I think I don't so. Think that's, I don't even think I Inch- said that I right. Think- that means like interests, right? Yeah. 
Hey, um, Brett, what's been your what's what's going on with your week? Um, you know, just uh, not not a whole lot. Um, just just a solid week. Um, I will say I've I've picked up a new habit, and that habit is going to TJ Maxx and buying flannels. Nice, um, nice. Did you so, mean yeah. hobby? Huh? Did you hobby? mean hobby? I think habits. Habit? A, I think habits. Oh, are did, wait. Fine did I? What did I that? say? Did I say habit? I think you that's said fine. habit. Oh, maybe I, I probably meant uh, either one works. I feel like, but no, I probably habit, meant habits. Hobby. Definitely okay there. Okay. Yeah. Um. I probably. I think I was thinking. I don't know. No, you're right. I mean, I, I, hey, I just. I just said proclivities, and I still don't think I'm saying that <laughs> word right. So it's fine. Um. But yes, I. Uh, I've been three times recently. And nice. Just, you know. Just on loading up for fall season. Guys, yeah. you know who's got some like some some good fall pickups right now? Who does? Target. Really? Target is Oh yeah, yeah. Target you always. Hit up some Target, Target always. Target that good fall fellow brand right now, pretty good. Are you sporting some good fellow over there? Always. Are you yeah, a good sweaters? Are you a good good fellow? Good good fellow. Um, cool. Well, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to Target. You guys <laughs> did you, finish this? Did you buy yeah. one flannel each visit or multiple flannels per visit? The first visit, I bought nothing. Okay. It was a scouting mission. It was, yeah. I had to scout it out. Um, the second one, I bought a green and blue a very, flannel. Very high number right now. No, just one, one each time. Okay. It should okay. one each time. Okay. Um, I need to go to different TJ Maxx's or other places. I've only been to TJ. I've I checked out Old Navy, I was about but to say I feel Navy, like Mike. I could get better deals elsewhere. Now I feel like you got to stick with this Maxinista lifestyle. I, I agree. get screwed with in-person shopping because they don't sell tall sizes in person. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. They don't yeah. have like a slender Slenderman section. <laughs> TJ yeah, that's, I, I've I've always found that tough to find flannels for my 15 foot tall skeleton. So I can understand that. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> Um, uh, but do yeah. you guys want to get into quote of the week so we can uh, get into discussion? Yes. Let's do it. Perfect. Okay. Well, listeners, as you know, every episode we have quote of the week where we choose one quote to live by. Um, and for book weeks, we like that quote to come from the book that we've been doing for the podcast book club. Uh, this week, we have two, one from Zach and one from Hannah, who both sent in some Salem's Lot quotes uh that's the quote king and the quote chemist and I, I i honestly i wrote i put both of them on the show notes i know we haven't done that in a while we've we've kind of come with them locked and loaded but i put both of them up here because they're great and i wanted y'all's help on deciding yeah for, i mean i think they both can just be winners honestly um zach actually sent a lot of quotes over just kind of talking about stephen king's prose and i think the quote we picked highlights that a little bit and so i'll go ahead and crank his out um Autumn settles in the way an old friend will settle into your favorite chair and take out his pipe and light it and then fill the afternoon with stories of places he has been and things he has done since last he saw you. Yeah, that's so, some beautiful writing. That's some, some, that's some Stephen greeting. King. Hey, guys, Stephen King's good at writing. He's, <laughs> he's you know, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Uh, Brett, do you want to give us Hannah's quote? I would love to. This is another um, beautiful, I, I would say equally or more beautiful um prose mm. from from steve um it is and please bow your heads for this um it is <laughs> god grant me the serenity to accept what i cannot change we say this before every podcast 
we the do. tenacity to change what I may, and the good luck not to fuck up too often. Amen. That's beautiful. Yeah, honestly, you know, I like what Dan said earlier. There's no need to choose. Those are both winning quotes. Um, yeah. And and there were there were so many incredible quotes from this entire book. So uh top tier i agree with with what zach said in about like stephen king's prose being just like phenomenal i felt like everything was poetic like throughout the entire 600 pages you would Beautiful. never guess the book genre based on these two quotes this sounds oh, yeah. like a, <laughs> a midfall a midfall rom-com in new york city yes, i mean it does not sound like a uh vampiric massacre survive the night style horror book yeah. His 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 world building at the beginning was one of my favorite parts where he's just like describing the town. Oh, oh yeah. The chapter yeah. the the lot where the it just lot. gets into like everything yeah. that goes on in Salem's lot. Incredible. Yeah. Okay. Well let's let's jump right on into discussion because I feel like we're kind of leaning into it right now. Um and I'm really excited to talk to you guys about the book. Brett, you've already read this and Dan, this was your first time reading it, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. It was my first time as well. Uh, I want to hear y'all's initial thoughts. Um, Just give me oh, like overview. What like the, the quick stuff. Like how, how would you rate the book? I mean, 10 out of 10. It's it's the perfect van. Like the And I think, Dan, one of you said this. It's the quintessential vampire story. And it truly is. Like it's the just the way that he builds fear in your mind and he'll set a scene, he'll describe where you're at perfectly. And then he puts you in the first person view of, which I know obviously a lot of writers can do that, but just the way he just does it, like you are freaking there. Every, every thought, you know, you know, your mind rushes in weird situations. Like it just, every thought you're right there with the person experiencing it. And there's so many good, just like at this point, you know, in our generation these are just like classic moments in like horror movies and stuff like that where like somebody lifts like is you know on a operating table or uh, in the morgue and they lift up and the sheet like falls off of them or you like hear a voice and like you know evil children kind of stuff like man he does evil kids so well like they're so <laughs> creepy he does um, do evil kids very yeah he, he, like, he nails it the 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 danny glick laughing in matt's house like yeah. haunts me to this day like <laughs> but yeah it's just beautifully written i mean obviously and he's you know he's talked about this plenty um and i feel like we would have mentioned it at some point there is some of the language that um that he uses obviously is uh you know not okay um there's a lot of uh slurs lgbt slurs um and it's just, you know, what this was written in the 70s. No, obviously no excuses, but it's just one of those things where it's like the time. And it's also one of those things that we've discussed previously where it's, you know, the the, the author, it, it, it's not like the author is like supporting it. It's just like a part of the story kind of thing. What are you, you going to say? I was just going to say Stephen King rides that line where he makes his bad characters say really bad right. things. Exactly. But you're like. like was it needed, Stephen? Stephen, right. what did you did? You, why'd you need? Why'd you need to do that? That's it, the biggest. It almost thing. feels like, um, how can I make my audience know how horrendous this character is? Right. Oh, I know how. Let's make him say the most horrendous. Th 
things I could possibly think of. That'll right. do it. That'll do yeah. the trick. Exactly. So it's, you know, it's just one of those things. But again, this, you know, as a book, as a whole, it is, man, it's so freaking good and scary. Like, and it makes you think at the end, it's like, there's a lot of, you know, like high level um, consideration at the end for like where the story goes, character decisions and everything like mm-hmm. that. So sorry, I took too long, but that was my initial. <laughs> no, I loved it. I agreed. I agree with almost everything you said with a slight caveat of you said it's the quintessential vampire story and you're forgetting about Stephanie Meyer's works, but I it's fine. Well, and Dracula, but. And the, okay, you're being stupid. Stephanie Meyer's works is the quintessential okay, sorry, vampire sorry, sorry. story. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah, okay. the second, the second, what's, what's below quintessential? The summa cum laude of... Of the penultimate vampire, vampire story. There you go. Um, okay, sorry. No, that was a dumb joke. But no, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I loved it. I thought it was chilling. Uh, just a very fun ride. Like, I, it did not feel like 600 pages. No. It was paced um, very well. Yes. Like, the, the pacing was really good. I was really just churning through the book. The, the only other thing I'd say, um, and I, I think we maybe had already joked about this or maybe I was talking to Jacob about it. Um, but (laughs) he wrote one woman essentially in the book, Susan. And then, you know, now after reading it, we know Susan's fate and she dies kind of early ish or not, not early. It's it's early for like early for climax. It catches you off guard. Yeah, because there's still like a big hefty chunk of the book, yeah. but that it wasn't even that that like that, that's a problem in itself where he had like one female character in the entire book, but then there was like forty characters that were all white guys and all of their names were Ben, Matt, Mark, Ryan, Mike, Brian, Ryan. Cody, like like the I was I was confused with the white guys. Was <laughs> I was it, getting them all mixed God, up. God, Parker, we talked about this. What was the was it Ralphie and Randy, Danny, yeah, Ra- yeah, yeah, yeah. Randall was the baby. The baby, I think. Oh yeah, Ralph baby Randall. Randy. I was like, oh my god, I can't keep him together. There's, there were so many names. The only name that I really, you know, hey, Parkins Gillespie. That one sticks out to me because <laughs> it's so wild. That's a good. That's a good constable name. It not, is a good constable name. Not not John Snow from the end. Oh, I I I'm so glad you called that too because that was that when he was like re, that was like just the the na- like names of people yeah. that had died. Jon Snow was in there. And I, was I didn't like, even oh, catch right, that. Well. Yeah, it's just yeah. Jon Snow. I was like, hey, this <laughs> John- is crossover. Jon Snow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you know they say it, Stephen King writes shared universes. So, <laughs> but no, it was paced super well. It was nice and nice and creepy, and I think that's a good segue to what was the the section that stood out to you the most and what was the scariest mine is the same same scene i don't know if that's the same for you guys but the the basement scene with like when they first go into the house Mm -hmm. um and they're kind of like moving some stuff out and the description it gives is like i know this is just a house it's made of wood and it's made of nails but there's something about it that yeah. When I'm inside of it, something is wrong. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's I mean that's that's a perfect descriptor for fear. Cause like right. it's like the dark, like being scared of the dark. 90% of the time, there's no reason to be scared of the dark at all. But it's like, ah, there's something about it that I don't like, and I will never know what it is because I can't see it. And that that's kind of what 
that part was. And I, I loved it was so oh, for sure eerie and creepy the whole time. Such a good chapter. And when, that's when the guys too. were like told to go put like the locks on the house yeah. and everything. Oh yeah. Because yeah. they they were done and one of them was like, oh no, you gotta go back down there and lock this thing up. So I so I, I'm glad you are talking about this, Dan, because I wanted to ask y'all, I think one of my favorite things about the book was the way that he played with that idea of like childlike fear versus yep like quote unquote like grown up fear right and how there's something like primal and instinctive and like deep about this like weird like childlike fear that kind of i guess like goes away as you get older or you can just kind of rationalize away um but it really brought me back to did it did any uh either of you grow up with a basement or like a close friend who had a basement yeah horrifying yeah, yeah. you well, did you you, did had you ever have yeah i did have one uh, did you ever have the experience of having to like turn off all the lights in the basement late at night and then get back upstairs to your house. 100%. Fun fact about me. If I go downstairs in the middle of the night to get water and I turn off the kitchen lights, I will. Do you run back up? It's a little, it's a bit of a hustle. I'm not going to say yeah, run, That's. but it's a two steps gonna, at a time. Yeah. I'm going to move pretty quickly. But that's a, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's that it's that kind of like primal fear. And Stephen King he captured that in this book so well because I mean there were times I remember like and I'm not even talking about as like a, a little kid. I'm talking about like high school me would be in the basement and I would have to like turn off the lights. Say I was like staying up playing video games or something too late, and then I would be the last one awake. And my my bedroom is the you know the second story. I'm in the basement. So I've got to travel Two all flights. the way through the house in the dark and turning off that light in the basement, that last light, that's like the stairs, having to run up yeah. the stairs to try. You, there's, it's so weird, but your brain is like set in this idea of like, I, I have to get out. I have to escape. And man, I, I just I, I felt like that was the, the biggest strength of this book is that he wrote that in so many scenes yeah. of that weird like the characters tried to rationalize like, Oh, this isn't scary or this shouldn't be scary. But there was that instinct that like animalistic fear of the unknown or the thing around the corner or them being watched. And it turns into the the being watched thing is um, the, you know, the Marston house is such a cool, he writes inanimate objects so well, like with Christine and stuff like that, where like, you can feel the evil and stuff. And, you know, like Dan was saying, the, there's a quote in it where he said, uh, the, the town kept its secrets and the Marston house brooded over it like a ruined king. So it's like he ev- there's so many instances when like a scary moment would happen or somebody's alone and thinking about something and they can look over their shoulder and they say, and the Marston house looked down upon like you can see it from everywhere in town. And so it's just like that feeling of looking up and seeing like a house watch you from on top yeah. of a hill. And it's just like, it's it's you know it's the center of this evil and you know playing its pieces. Um, well, the thing that I thought terrifying. he did so good with this story in particular is really uh, uh, like uh, Straker and Barlow were the obviously like the main antagonists and the big like final boss threat, but really there was this kind of unknown evil that was the Marston House that acted as the antagonist for a right. good like majority of the the build of the book like it it was this creepy sinister 
house that every character like you said brett was was just haunted by in this town and it like drew, they all had their stories yeah yeah it drew the it that's what you know barlow mentions it several times is the house drew him there like hubie marston mm. they never really truly explain how they knew each other and like what their connection was but he was kind of like his like pen pal it almost seemed like but that's what drew him there is is this the evil of this house but yeah it's like a it's like connected to the other side in some way mm-hmm. have you ever been to a place that has that feeling uh i don't think so i've never been truly like haunted by a building or anything like that that i know of yeah no i try to i try to steer, steer pretty clear of like <laughs> yeah. unhallowed grounds yeah uh so to speak but there is okay th- there's this one house um on the way to the, uh, sorry, I'm so sorry, listeners, because this is not going to mean anything to you. But on the way to our friend Justin's house on the White Vulture. Horse Road, the yeah, the big, where, the, where the vultures are always hanging out, and yep. it's just kind of on top of the hill, and it's all wooden. That house, like the it's it gives me this like creepy, sinister vibe, and I just I know it's got stories. I know it's some some happened there. I don't know what a, it is. I'll take a picture and. We can post it on their Instagram oh, we because it is the should. most terrifying home. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, I think I was thinking about it a lot when reading this book because it, it just like it's one of those things where like you, you pass by it maybe like a thousand times. You're like, oh, that's you know, that's weird. Like it just has that like weird ominous feeling. You could not pay me any amount of money to go into, into that house at night or even go around that house at night. Like I only ever pass it during the day and it still creeps me out. <laughs> But I think yeah. the big vulture that sits on top of that house is the owner of the house. Ooh, it's got I like this is and a he, story we're writing and he rents it out to Airbnb and he's a wonderful host. <laughs> he's so nice. we should we should uh, as a as a bookends with friends experiment next next Halloween Airbnb a haunted house and stay in it while we read a scary book. God, no. For the listeners. No, thank you. For the clout. Damn, we got to chase that clout, my guy. <laughs> Get that cloud away from me. So we were uh, we're discussing antagonists and Barlow in the house. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, Count Barlow and Mr. Straker? I wish they would have been involved a little bit more. Okay, yeah, I can just like agree. a little bit. Yeah. Like, um, but doesn't it doesn't it make the scenes that he's actually in? I, I will agree. Later on, probably it would have been really just the end. Really, yeah. Just his the his. His end scene, you're almost kind of like, you're like, wait a second, they're already, like, that's the play. Like, you yeah. you almost feel like, okay, there's going to be another, like, final, and they do have a bit of a final confrontation, but, like, yeah, yeah. you expected it in a different way. My, because um, he builds up as this, like, he appears in the, well, he does have the scene where he breaks into the house, but mm-hmm. he, like, will appear and, like, snatch people as they're walking out and stuff like that, but. My, um. My justification for it and the reason it's not a con for me and my review of the book is that I I don't think it was meant to have a main villain. You know, all yeah. of the all of yeah. the villains and all the horror aspects are people that you know in everyday life coming back as vampires. And like, I completely agree with you, Dan. So so the fact there wasn't like a final battle with a big bad is totally fine for me. I wish she was involved more in like the process of people being undead like right because he's kind of shrouded in mystery the whole time um but the him not being involved in like a big battle at the end is totally fine with me it's it's more so just like i want to kind of know more about him than yeah. anything else 
the it, that's that's exactly like I, I completely agree. I think it would have been cool to maybe have a little bit more backstory, but I think he essentially played the the role of a, a king chess piece. Uh, and th- I agree with what you said, Dan, where like the the thing that made him a good antagonist was how he maneuvered and took over the town. And really, you saw like the horrors of his acts right. by the decay of Salem's lot and how this yeah. sleepy town in just a very few nights snowballed into a like fully like dead ghost town that was taken over by his you know minions or underlings or whatever you want to call them um but i I agree like it it felt it it was it was interesting at least that his end was so abrupt but i think the the confrontation in the story was mostly about how do people even try to like mentally battle against like it's not it's not like they're fighting this grand evil they're fighting their neighbors they're fighting their their children yeah. their their friends and they have to choose between succumbing to that and wanting to be with their children or their loved ones or killing them which is an awful choice you know it's an impossible choice so i think that he just like it was a good villain in the aspect of what he did behind the scenes more so than like the final confrontation with him. Um, so talking about final confrontations and just the battle with Barlow and a chessboard. Um, if you were playing him, who would you choose? Like if you could only pair up with one other character, um, in this, in this fight, who, who are you picking? Uh, the final anyone from the final trio is a pretty good pick in my opinion i mean mark is such we're, he's got I, a lot i think of we're going to talk about mark a little bit later but he's such a badass like yeah, poor mark kid cool. first of all mark mark, mark at the age of 14 yeah he did go through it. he went through it bad a lot but he was slaying vampires before anyone in the town even knew what a vampire was like he, he was out just, there just walking doing back the home thing. being like oh sorry sorry family i was just out for the night yeah right he just keeps it to himself. Mark and Jimmy would both be good picks. Rip Jimmy. <laughs> oh, that was a rough way to go. Oh, man. Rip Jimmy. I would rather be bitten by a million vampires than die the way that he died. I yeah, did. For sure. I did love um, Matt a lot. And I think we we're going to talk cool. about mm-hmm. Callahan next. So I was going to yes. save some some thoughts I had on Callahan, but... Matt Matt's knowledge of stuff like he he was that was just a cool idea of having him in like a command center. Yeah, for sure. He was their watchtower. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I know, you know, Callahan was great. Um, He is a very he's a character, honestly, that I was like most intrigued by in this story just because of the depth of it. And, you know, the, the you know, what he went through and you spent a lot of time in his mind. But I mean, yeah, Matt, Matt. Uh, Mark's hard to to argue with, and if Parkins had been, I was really hoping the first time through that like Parkins would come in at the last second and be like a badass like assist, but then like the the, the flip of him just being like, no, I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> Good for you know, him. I, Good yeah, for that so guy. Th- the thing is, like, I I didn't really blame him uh, yeah, because like, yeah, yeah, the the hard truth of where he was at like the 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 pace at which barlow took over the town he just was, bested 
Yeah, it was insane. And so, like, he, it was almost like he came into the fight too late. Yeah. And he, he had, he was just defeated. Like, he was like, nope, there's, this isn't worth dying over. And he got out. It makes you sad that they didn't come to him sooner because he does mention, like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's the vampires, like in comics. And they're like, what? Like, how do you, like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, I kind of, you know, I figured that out. And you're like, Oh man, they should have told him earlier because maybe he would have been like, "Oh, okay, maybe I'll help." When the town wasn't already completely taken over, so you're just kind of yeah. like, "Dang it!" Like he he may have been. Uh, you know, I, I wish we would have gotten a a full gang of people together, like right. a, a humans versus vampires. But they never really had. I felt like they were dropping like flies. They never really had that chance to build a team. Because yeah. if Susan would have lived, if, uh, you, you know, if Callahan, would, if they wouldn't have split up so many dang times that I was pulling my hair out, guys, the, the <laughs> end, Matt told them, he said, hey, y'all go out, you do your thing, do not split up. And then immediately when they go start to make the stakes, Jamie's like, all right, Mark and I are going to go split up and you keep <laughs> making the stakes here, yep. Ben. And I, I was like, OK, well, someone's going to die because it, it was like so obviously foreshadowed god big big frustrations there from the end for me it felt it felt like a goof i I thought they were joking at first (laughs) when they were like ah time to we'll we'll split up i was like no no matt told you in his ominous foreboding way yeah the the end i I don't (laughs) that end really frustrated me honestly because even when they were going Mark was like, hey, let's go get Ben. And they were like, no, we don't need Ben. And then Jimmy dies and then he goes and gets Ben. I'm like, okay, like, I guess Jimmy needed to die somehow, but like, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're talking Callahan. Yeah, dude. Uh, and I I had a couple quotes because, and I know, so we had a question from Hannah that said, what do you think happened to Father Callahan? One, I have an answer to that. Yeah, dude. Ooh. Yeah, dude. Two, I had a couple thoughts on because- and, you know, we talked about interesting, you know, moments that stood out to you. One of the biggest moments for me was the Barlow Callahan face off in the Petrie, Petrie house, because there's so many the, the way that he wrote Callahan and religion in this book was so interesting because the scene where Callahan and Matt are, you know, talking out like Callahan is like, oh, yeah, I feel like my interest in the 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 occult led me to priesthood and then that's why like he says this this, he said i have the quote he said the church is more than a bundle of ideas and these young fellows seemed uh as these young fellows seem to believe it's more than a spiritual boy scout troop the church is a force and one does not set a force in motion lightly that's a really interesting scene just because it's like he brings in this this power that barlow is obviously afraid of um and it stays pretty you know, to the book as far as vampire and like lore goes, as far as like what their weaknesses and stuff are. But, um, and then their, their face off where, where Barlow, after Callahan has realized that like his power is diminishing, and Barlow says, You have forgotten the doctrine of your own church. Is it not so? The cross, the bread and wine, the confessional, only symbols. Without faith, the cross is only wood the bread baked wheat, the wine sour grapes. And it's just like the ultimate takedown there. Yeah. Of, it's just like that rips your heart out for Callahan because he's he immediately knows he's been defeated. And that's just like, because there's a split second where he's winning and then he he's, he's like second guesses it. And he that's where he, and it's just like, oh yeah. man. Like yeah. it was, it was a really, really well done scene. Yeah. Um, Brett, I'm so interested because I, 
I think he is a he's another character in another book. But before you give before you give an yeah. answer, I just want to throw something out there because I I don't know. And when Hannah posed this question, I I was really grateful because I thought it was a fantastic question, and I really liked that it was left open. Right. But I think the entire thing with Father Callahan's character, he represents that question of um like sh- like struggle with faith, not not necessarily like Christian faith, but just like that kind of like towing the line of like, are you going to give into evil or, or like overcome and be good? Right. And you see that throughout the story early with his like drinking and his kind of um, just like lack of faith and people yeah. and him talking about like having to deal with like the modern evils of society and and how he's just kind of, um, you know, like, almost gotten like burnt out from the like normal evils of the world. Uh, but at the same time, he has this like background of, of great faith. And it like, it talked about how like he wanted to do something great right. with his belief. And so that, that scene, that final, like, you know, battle between them, he didn't really do anything necessarily wrong. He saved Mark. Yeah. He did everything he could have. It's just his faith waned when, uh, Barlow was in front of him, who's this massive evil. And I also liked how Barlow was playing with his head at, yep. at that, you know, that same time where he was like talking about how he existed before, you know, Christianity and yeah. he's been fighting the white, you know, what, whatever that is. Um, and, and kind of undermining uh, Callahan's own belief. And, but I think it's very fascinating that you have that final scene afterwards that he wasn't just, killed but that he was on the bus leaving town but he had tried to go back to church and then i think that that bus scene where he is uh i I think he was like he was talking about how hungry he was and all he could taste was ash and then he started like staring out the window at a kid and i think it ended like that to let to to leave the reader up to decide like what happened was he able to curb his you know, his appetite, was he able to not give in or did right. he end up becoming this next vampire? You know, so I, I don't know. I just think it was a very interesting character where he towed the line and the question was never really answered. I was also really interested in Callahan. So I did look up to see if like I had missed something in the book to tell me where he went and finding out where he goes is very, very cool. It is. Okay, cool. Well, well let me know. Cause I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying to know. Um, so me and Dan could can tag team this. So he he does he is, uh, I assume everybody most people have heard of it. Stephen King has a series called The Dark Tower, which is his fantasy epic, and his all his books basically take most of his books basically take place in the same universe, and in The Dark Tower is kind of the center of all of it, and he kind of draws a bunch of stuff in. So there's a lot of characters from various books that hop in and out of the series. So Callahan, he shows up in several of them. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but the one basically where he goes directly after this is he it's I, I won't go too far into it, but he shows up in one of the the later Dark Tower books and he goes to New York City. And now after having drank Barlow's blood, he can sense vampires and through a, a series of circumstances, he basically becomes a vampire hunter because he Very can. Cool. He, 
it's an interesting story. I didn't read, I, I read a little bit into it. Um, yeah. I've only read the first Dark Tower book, so I also didn't want to spoil it for myself, but I, right. I saw that exactly like you said, like he becomes a vampire hunter in later books. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. that's cool. Here for oh, it. it. He turns that into him being able to sense where vampires are. It's just, yeah. So yeah. So look into that, read the Dark Tower. I think that one is the fifth Dark Tower book. Um, but he shows up in a couple other places too. Man, I love that. Um, well, so I feel like we're we've kind of been talking all uh, all around it. Um, but what did y'all think of like the overall ending, specifically in regards to Ben and Mark? I liked how they left it. You kind of get the idea of you you can kind of create their future for yourself because yeah. he does. You know, they they set the plan in motion. And they're just kind of, they're pretty, you know, badass tag team. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that King wrote himself into a corner because I don't think that's what it was at all. But leading up to the ending, reading it, I'm like, oh, this has got to be how the story, right. like where the story is going. Yeah. Like, I'm very glad the story didn't end like the Miss style with Mark turning bad, shooting. Right shooting ben and then coming to and being safe and be the last survivor that would have sucked i would have hated that um and so the the way it ended was i mean perfectly fine with me i I enjoyed it yeah did y'all so the the epilogue i had kind of like for not forgotten about it was like in the back of my head but it wasn't until the very end when everyone like all the other characters started dying that i was like oh that's it's this kind of story and so i kind of figured mark was the boy because they were just the boy and the man in yeah, the beginning. yeah um but i i kept wondering i was like okay so is there gonna be some sort of twist like is it not gonna be ben and even though they they like mentioned him like writing and stuff like that, I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe Matt will take up right, you know, before. <laughs> yeah. So I was waiting for there to be some kind of twist. Um, but I did really, I really liked the ending. And then I went back and reread the epilogue just okay. to. You mean prologue, right? Is it prologue? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it is prologue. So I'm reading your question. Did you return to the epilogue? And I'm like, it's at the end of the book. Did you, did, did did you, you not read, read the, end the, the end of the book, of the book twice? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. I, like, I meant. I was thinking epilogue <laughs> because there's the epilogue at the end with them, yeah. but no, the prologue. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting verb verbs verb, verb, <laughs> verbology terminology wrong. Um, yes. No, I actually didn't. I, I you saying that now, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, but that's no, really cool. I completely yeah, forgot so about like that. So like the the, the prologue is them going to that the the church. Yeah, and Ben, not Ben, uh, Mark, like goes to the mass and confessional and they're in a really dark place i I believe it takes place during the months where they hadn't yet returned hmm. uh, and yeah, then they yeah, talk yeah. about going back and so it, it right. was just really really cool uh rereading that after uh knowing everything and and kind of having the the context of the full story yeah um so i don't know i recommend it it's only a couple pages but it was it was pretty neat and the uh he some of my favorite parts were you know the 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 actual epilogue after when it's doing the news stories and stuff mm-hmm. like that where it's like slowly it'll and the, the story slowly fade out but i really did love the way that he would at at the beginning of most sections or like certain sections he would do kind of like a news bulletin of 
where everybody was at and like an update on who Barlow has turned. And it's like yeah. nine thirty AM and it's like he just like describes these people and then it's like, Oh yeah, they're they're done. <laughs> they're they're about to get turned. And then just yeah. all the stories of like, oh sh- like so much dread. But I just that was such a cool way to give you updates on how Barlow is taking over. Yeah, it was it was very ominous and oh boy, what a good book. Um, okay, so I've I think we got two more questions and then we can start wrapping up. Uh, I wanted to hit y'all with this one. So say uh, you, like your hometown or for us like Traveler's Rest, which has that like hometown quiet town feeling near us gets invaded by a similar vampire outbreak would you stay and fight or how do you think that you would do in that situation i would like to say that traveler's rest <laughs> is a fantastic city name for a book a stephen of king genre book? yeah very yeah. very oh, good yeah. or yeah. any fantasy novel um i love Truly. the city name and i am out of there the exact second i know something's going on goodbye You're- you're leaving town? I'm out. Get me out of here. Yeah. You're going back to Mintone? Going back to Mintone, where all the safe zombies are. And safe <laughs> vampires, I mean. You know all the vampires there. Yeah, we're buddies. We're you real buddy buddy over them. there. <laughs> oh, that's um, just Derek. He bites people every now and then. <laughs> we just give him a goat every once in a while, and he's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to think that I would stay... I feel Good like certain people have connection. Like if you have like family here, like get them out. Like I like get out of here, but like, you know, I'm single. I would, I would like to think that I would try and like help other people at least get out. Like that would mm. be my main objective is just to be like in any way possible, be like, get out of town. Like whatever it takes. You're such a good person. Try. I, I, I say that in theory, I don't know if I, I would probably just get taken out super quickly trying to do that and then i would think about this brett brett you're you're thinking of it wrong if you were to turn you were such an unstoppable muscly force (laughs) no one's gonna stop you if you get turned you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna turn a hundred other people you gotta get out of town you're you're yeah, but then we could be one. You're very you're very unassuming and kind and I feel like that would be what you would just flash in those baby blues and they wouldn't be able to resist. They'd open up that window <laughs> for you. Baby blues are uh are code names for your muscles. There your you biceps. Go. Show, I'll show him baby and I'll show him blue. <laughs> oh my god. Um <laughs> Um so you know I think I think my toxic trait is the like I feel like I would I'm I'm pretty true of heart, and yeah, they they would just kill you. They wouldn't be able to turn you. Well, so I I feel I feel like I'd be you know like like doing my thing, and I I would not really uh you know be s- persuaded to the dark side, so to speak. Right. Um, with one massive caveat, one just humongous absolute jumbo the stabbiness caveat. of their teeth. <laughs> no no that is that is sexy um no but uh i was just gonna say like if if maddie got turned the whole ben and susan scene nope couldn't do it could no. not do it in the slightest i would i would be like oh you yeah, know what actually was... team vampire now let's yeah, go hey like, i don't blame it, the you. second the second that that would happen i would be like okay hey you know what vampire pretty cool life pretty cool lifestyle 
I would, um, I'd probably say yeah. if you guys got turned, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I'll vampire with you. Like you'll vamp out. Yeah. To the end of the line, you know, like to the end of the line. So, so we're all making a vampire blood pact right now. Yes, if I come 100%. knocking in your window at night, I don't want to see any stakes. I want you to open up, accept me in. Yeah. If you're floating at my window, I'm opening Dan's shaking up. his head. No, you're not joining yeah. this vampire blood pact right now. Gonna kill all of you. <laughs> That okay. could you could you do the God no no not at all I couldn't if one anyone. of our listeners came to your window at night and said hey I'm a big fan of Bookends of Friends will oh, you let man. me in I would say wow that's so cool can you please stay outside until until daylight yeah you would know they were a vampire immediately if someone said <laughs> I'm a big fan of Bookends with Friends if, if there was a if there was a big fan of Bookends with Friends it was, it's all a ruse it's a ruse to get in and turn us immediately we can't be fooled. Um, the last question we have is from Hannah and give the I, context, I, context, context, context. She sent us, she sent us the email. She had a very old copy of Salem's lot that she was reading. And, um, she sent us an email with a picture of young Stephen King. Did you not see it? <laughs> I did not see that. No, oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. He, he was, he was really strutting his stuff in that photo. Okay. Well, He's her a question is. Is Stephen King hot? And I have an answer for this. Look at that jacket. He's got so, a jawline on him, you know? He does have a jaw. So Stephen King now, obviously, smoking very hot. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. We're, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Stephen King could be hot. Everyone's hot. He's confident. Look at him. You, you confident, know what's hot? Confidence. Good confidence storytelling. You know what's hot? It is. Money. What? You yeah, good story. Hot? Good story. You know what's hot is money, Dan. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> oh, See, hey, Stephen King, very sexy. If you're listening to this, Stephen, you're loaded. Hot. <laughs> He's had um, more oh, boy. books made into like movies and TV shows than anyone else. So he got that money. Sure. He could bite my neck any day. Oh. Okay, who's got our author's note? <laughs> I I have our author's note. That's him. Um, in 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 conclusion, wonderful book. I'm glad I read it a second time. Um, Quintus, the 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 second second quintessential novel behind the great Stephanie Midnight Meyer. Sun. Sorry, Stephen, you've been bested. You've been um, bested by Midnight Sun. So sorry. Uh, but yeah, so go 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 check it out. It's uh it's scary. They were making a movie. Um, it's made, but it got postponed. So we don't know when that's coming out. Um, it was supposed to be last month originally. Yeah, I'm super bummed about that. Yeah, it it would be it would make for a perfect movie. There's been a couple mini series in the past, but it would make our podcast for a should perfect, start a groundswell. Yeah. Um, but I have our quick author's note. Uh, we mentioned it last week. This is just a side note. Um, Parker had mentioned his uh his intro to horror was Lovecraft, and it was a the Lovecraft book, The Lurker in the Shadows. Um, that's what inspired him to read, uh, or sorry, write horror fiction. Um, he discovered an old paperback in his dad's things, and then uh, he got obsessed with it. So that's cool. Steven, but, why are you poking around your dad's things? Uh, not the Steven. dad things. Steven. Dad. Steven. Um, horror dad. Uh, but yeah, so the, the true story, it was, it was a Vox article written about... Um, the origins of Stephen and how huge a part his wife Tabitha played in him becoming successful. 
he, you know, was originally, he just wrote short stories on the side. He was a teacher barely making any money. Um, his wife, Tabitha, refused to let him take more work that would cut into his writing time. She encouraged him to keep writing. Um, she was actually the one, the, the, you know, the famous story behind Carrie is that it was his first, his, his first book, but it, he originally threw it away. He threw the manuscript away. Um, and then Tabitha was the one that found it in the trash and pulled it back out and told him to keep writing on it. And he later turned that into like uh, $400,000 from its, from its paperback run. And then, you know, it was, it was history from there, but yeah. So Carrie was like his, his, uh, his, his big hit. And that's kind of what has led into everything that he's done. So Huge shout out to Tabitha King, who was a driving force behind his his, uh, his success. Because you know, can't imagine um, him taking that third, second, or third job and then giving up writing. Um, that would have been horrible for all of us. But yeah, so go check out that Vox article. I and will. That <laughs> is our author's note. Cool. Well, hey guys, we did it. We did it. We did it. We did and it. That is our episode where we can bookmark it there. Uh yes, let's let's do that. Let's wrap up uh so we can honestly so we can go to bed. It's late. Um thank you so much listeners and people who have supported our podcast. Uh we are forever grateful. Um thank please you continue so to keep reaching out to us. You can uh, reach out to us in our at our email, which is just bookends at gmail.com. Um, we're also on Instagram and Goodreads and other ways to find us. Uh, hey, yeah, send us sexy pics of Stephen King. Send Brett sexy pics of Stephen King at bookends with friends email address so we can all see it. They're just they're That's... just saying send it to me, but they're actually going to look at it. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, Yes, thank you, uh, especially to uh, all the people who sent in good thoughts and who read along with us this month. Um, Hannah and Zach and Jacob, y'all were killing it with sending in thoughts and, yeah, and thank you guys so reading much. along. I had something else. Oh, the book next month. We should talk <sighs> about that. Let's do it. Uh, just so we can, you know, actually get it early this time. What are we reading next month? Jade City. Jade City by Fonda Lee, the first in the Greenbone saga. And that's all I know about it. But I've heard <laughs> really, really good things. I've heard incredibly good things. I'm really Same. excited to, Can't to read wait. that one. Uh, cool. Okay. I think we I think we bookmark it there, right? That's, that's it. That's the play. Do we thank Jacob Robinson for his wonderful theme music? Unfortunately, I mean, I kind of want to just keep using it, but this might be yeah, the last this time is the we la- use it. This is the last week of the Halloween music until next year. Um, so thank you so much, Jacob. And also thank you so much to Maddie Moon for our yeah, thank- wonderful our wonderful uh, art. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. And never forget the real friends. We're the ones you let in the window. <laughs> Go again. And never forget the real books for the friends we made along the way. Oh, we got to make it like. Never forget the, the real van- books were the ones that you let into your window and bite you and bite you. <laughs> okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs>